everyone welcome back to starting from the pit i am joined by a super special guest i'm so excited that you're here it's everybody's favorite insurance broker mr james blair hi g'day hey guys thanks for having me i'm good how are you oh not too bad not too bad so uh, what is it saturday afternoon um just chilling out at home not yeah. doing too much no, yeah good, good um so you are you in london right now um yeah yeah are you living there currently yeah, I've lived here since 2017. Yeah, oh, wow. so okay. it's been a, it's been a while. So I started started to lose the accent a little bit, but uh, oh, no. hanging on in there. <laughs> so, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit who you are, what you're all about, and how long you've sort of been with the motorsport industry? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm James Blair. I'm from New Zealand. Um, I, I kind of who I am is, is a tough one. Because it sort of changes depending on what day of the week it is, to be perfectly honest these days. But um, yeah, so how I sort of got involved in the motorsport industry, if you want to call it that, is is kind of two prong. In the sense that you know, I, I used to race when I was younger. I raced karts in New Zealand, and that was it's good fun. I did that for eight or nine years. Then um, gave that up, hung up the helmet, and then moved to London to, to start my insurance career, but uh that was never intended to be motorsport based at all okay. i'd kind of given i'd written it off motorsport's yeah. a hobby and all i'm going to be an insurance professional um and then that was the case for four years or so and then started a new job that was specialized in, in motorsport insurance and i figured okay. i was a pretty good fit for that and so through that then um continued sort of working with drivers had a little bit more to do as far as um the sort of day-to-day and the actual business side of the drivers as opposed to what was previously the case of me just sort of being friends with the guys and yeah. we hang out a couple of times a year when they were in town um so yeah that that was sort of the driver for that and then marcus eventually started his own podcast once he'd uh once he left ferrari so uh i i went along to help him set up basically the business side of it and all that kind of yep. stuff and then he asked me to, to join him on that and so then now ever since what july last year we've been well, i've been a podcaster so to speak which yeah. is not something i saw coming but uh i'm enjoying the ride <laughs> it's sort of skyrocketed like i obviously there was a certain we won't speak about it too much but a certain podcast episode that sort of launched it through the roof um that everybody yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's a I love what listening to it and watching it obviously with you guys. It's good to see you all interacting and stuff. But um in terms of the insurance broker side of things, I think I'm a bit naive to this because I have never I thought this was like an American thing. I didn't realize you were in the UK and things like that. So what exactly is an insurance broker? Uh insurance broker is kind of it's the same as any other broker, if you'd be it, you know, mortgage stocks, okay. you know any anything where basically you're just the sort of the middleman in the process of right. you know connecting consumers to a financial product um so an insurance broker it's my job to find whatever type of insurance you come to my yeah. company with they'll send you down a certain lane if you need motorsport they'll send you to talk to me if you need property or if you need household or if okay. you need marine insurance they'll send you to other people um and they you know then it's a the buyer explains to the broker exactly what they want because they don't really know the ins and outs yeah. of exactly what would fit them the best. And then it's a broker's job to know what would fit them best and then know who to talk to and know which companies to put together and, right. and put a policy together. So that's an insurance broker's job. Yeah, because I guess at the end of like for the normal person, the only kind of insurance that I've looked at is my car insurance and I just go on comparison yeah. sites for that. So that's sort of yeah. 
Yeah. These days, yeah, anything that's sort of generic like that and easy to sort of assess what needs to be done, then that can all be kind of done on an online system. But if, you know, if you're talking about insuring companies like Amazon or FedEx or, you know, huge values that um, then you need something a little bit more specialist and then something online, they're not going to sell you you know, $118 billion worth of insurance online, you know, so that's... Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So how how does it work then in terms of motorsport? Is it like, are you insuring the cars? Is it the the driver you insure? Do you, is it like per you insure the, re- the wings or what? what is it? Yeah, so it's sort of everything. Um, okay. It's primarily uh, what we sort of call the cargo aspect of it, which is just the sort of uh, storage and transit, okay. so keeping it moving the race cars around all the values and things like that and that can be anyone who's got a catering in the driveway that they take a track day okay. you know a few times a year or it can be major world endurance championship teams formula e teams and things like that so they need that kind of normal insurance like everything yeah. else um but then it diverges into a few different lanes really you can also have you know you need your property taken care of so pits, garages, buildings, all that kind of thing. That's, again, a slightly more generic type liability insurance. You need usually around about 10 million pounds worth of liability protection to go racing as a team in the UK. Most tracks require that limit to be taken out. And then we also do, my favorite one is the personal accident for the drivers. So basically if they get hurt or killed or, you know, Mm -hmm. anything like that and they need medical expenses or there's, you know, they're disabled for whatever reason, then they'll pay out on that. Right. Because again, if you put a racing driver in the circumstance of, you know, the online version of yeah, that, yeah. you can't just log on and be like, I'm a Formula One driver and I need to, like, that car, that's not a decision that can yeah, be made yeah. on a computer at this point in time. God knows we will get with AI, but that's <laughs> another conversation. But, um, yeah, so yeah, that, so protecting the drivers and their salaries and, and their livelihood, which is, for me, it's got a bit more close to my heart. But then we also do the, the crash damage as well. So um, anything... That can happen on the track i mean usually the excesses are, are relatively high but at the same time it, it's worth having for a lot of people right no that's good because I w- obviously i was thinking like is it because with the cars it's just the car is it is what it is but obviously they're you saying the the transport of it all that makes so much sense um yeah. is it is it like a normal nine to five job like you wake up in the morning you get on the tube and then you head into the office sort of thing or is it a bit as and when sort of uh no it's very much just sort of full-timer um no I wouldn't call it nine to five it's it's a few more hours than that but um it's yeah I mean as far as I'll I'll, you know get you know get on the train go into into the office in the morning we do obviously like everyone else we went through a a sequence of working from home uh I don't like it I prefer to be in the office I I think anyone who says I'm more productive at home is a liar and they just like to be able to do their washing (laughs) during the day and make a cup of tea and you know watch watch a a couple of hours worth of tv at lunch that's that's my stance on it I mean people were screaming about it but no I I definitely prefer working in office I'm quite I'm quite a collaborative job so I need a lot of speak like people to speak to and things like that so no I know what you mean it's nice to be in an office as well you're surrounded by people so yeah yeah as well for somebody doing what I do it's all kind of about talking to people yeah. and putting people together and you know doing that from home gets a little bit frustrating so yeah yeah definitely yeah you can only reply to so many emails <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so obviously you very much enjoy 
like the motorsport side of things um as a hobby like uh watching the races and things like that but it's very much involved in your work as well how do you find it being able to separate like enjoyment and work and things like that how do you find that balance pretty difficult yeah pretty difficult I mean it's it's always been a funny one with uh watching the guys who I know Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's probably a little bit easier for me to enjoy the sort of top level motorsport how old am I now uh probably five six years ago before yeah. all, my, all my kind of peers were taking part so I'm you know watching GP2 in 2015 was great for me because it was just an awesome series but I also didn't have any sort of emotional investment yeah as far as drivers um so and then in the, on the business side of things as well so yeah it, ever since you know I haven't enjoyed watching a Formula 2 race for four years Right. Because Marcus or Clem's been racing and I want them to do well. So it's, yeah. it's, it's good. But prior to that, it was great. But um, yeah, so separating that side of it's difficult. But then on the business side of things as well, if I'm watching a, a touring car race and I know that I have clients in it and mm. they have crash damage policies or they've got, you know, that takes a lot of fun out yeah. of it as well. Because like I'm just on edge constantly. Please don't make my Monday annoy me. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's a, that's a hard part of it. And as well, going to the circuits, me being the way I'm kind of wired I'll, I'll be there and I won't just kind of put my feet up and enjoy myself yeah. anymore I'd be wanting to talk to people off. and try, yeah get the next deal going <laughs> yeah um so do you have you ever or do you insure any of your friends or your friends friends uh yeah, yeah. have you yeah. found like there was a certain element of like extra pressure on that were you just like oh shit this is like a big purse like this is a friend we need to do well with them or like we need to get a good deal for them not really um I haven't needed to I mean I never say never but generally speaking I'm pretty confident with what I'm doing for, okay. for pretty much everyone and so it's it's kind of all there set in stone obviously for certain guys I might do favors or you know taking it but it would always be out of my cut as opposed to out of the yeah, insurance yeah. you know so yeah no that's that I get that um obviously racing is all over the world and things like that do you have clients in different like worldwide locations if so like how do you keep up with like the time zones and things like that it's pretty uh it's it's difficult and it's basic at the same time it's right. difficult to do but the basic answer is you just need to be up when they right. need you to be up so I've got a lot of work down in New Zealand as well funnily enough and you know it's just kind of <laughs> natural transfer over to London that, that could sort of fit a boot over here so if I need to do calls with those clients, then it's you, you just wake up at, at four in the morning or five and whatever time yeah. it is that suits them. Because ultimately, you're not really doing them much of a favor until you've actually got the job done. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where yeah. they don't really owe you any time courtesy until you've kind of delivered for them. So it's, yeah, it's pretty simple concept of just be available. Hard work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you said about like technology coming into play a bit more. Have, have there been any like rumors of AI and things like that being used in your industry? Not not yet. Um uh, strong ones. There will be, yeah, inevitably inevitably there will yeah. be. Um but again that'll be a sort of slow graduation as far as as far as I'm concerned. Um from the, the smaller things like you said you know your car insurance your house insurance it should be able to analyze certain things about those generic products where there's a lot of data available but i don't think ai could you know if, if we had a uh, a gt car going around spa for a weekend and it might rain it might not but we know who the drivers are we know various aspects about it you can't really do that 
for okay. what I do with yeah. AI, but and it goes for a lot of insurance as well, where it, it needs to be a specialist thing and it needs to be communicated better than I think AI would be capable of at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's just interesting because we have a lot of talk at my work about AI and coming and things like that. And it's just like, it, it sounds like it's going to take over the world. <laughs> What's your work? Um, So I'm in marketing. I do digital marketing for motorsport and not motorsport, just automotive in general. Um, okay, yeah. So yeah, like copywriting and things like that. It's all it all comes in with that and things, but hopefully it's not going to take our jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hopefully no time soon. <laughs> um, so you have you were saying about New Zealand and things like that. Obviously, that's where you're quite clearly from. How does living in the UK compare to New Zealand? Uh it's very different, for, <laughs> but in a in a good way for okay. me at least. It's. New Zealand's a pretty weird place now. Okay. Um, a lot's changed, especially over the last five years or so. Basically, since I left, it, it, okay. it took. Well, a you left, and the life left it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's a tough place to be in your twenties because there's not a lot of career opportunity there. As far okay. as market size is as its biggest hindrance, probably domestically. Um, if you're in one of the industries that is a happens to be a, a well-paying industry, then, then you're kind of lucky. Yeah. You know, for example, you know, lawyers over there, qualified lawyer, um, mm -hmm. makes the same amount of money at a, at a good place as as a assistant over here for an right. insurance office. So that's kind of crazy, and and yeah. so that's why I think there's a lot of Australians and New, and New Zealanders leaving, okay, that and coming up here because for a start, the salaries are better. You're plugged into Europe as well, which is good if you want to do, go and do the traveling thing. I haven't done that too much because I've got a British passport, so I've never, I've not been in a rush to get out there yeah. and, and travel too much. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it is. And it's a bigger town, and it's there's more bars and there's more sort of nightlife. There's more activities and things to do. You can quite comfortably go on a night out and not see five people you went to school with. Whereas in New Zealand, oh, wow. like, there's in Auckland, there was like two nightclubs, and like every time oh. I went out. Uh, see people who are mean to me at school what would be one thing that you would take if you were to move back to New Zealand what would be one thing that you take back from the UK um oh probably my, my partner Ali oh did you meet over here yeah yeah she's okay. but, yeah oh, nice. that takes that takes some sting out of the tail she's not yanked my arm back to, to move to New Zealand <laughs> anytime soon so it's good um but uh no as far as uh things that are like object that i bring back to new zealand i probably have to go for um i mean my career <laughs> that'd be good that's a bonus it's not really an option so um no but i don't, I don't really want to go back to new zealand so no that's fair enough luckily i don't need to think too hard about that one. um you mentioned traveling obviously with having europe at your doorstep where is like something you would where's your dream destinations around europe you're doing a trip where you go in I'd, I'd quite like to start going to some to some stranger places i mean okay. i'd not do i mean i've done sort of you know the italy france portugal all yeah. that kind of stuff which i really enjoy and it's great and i will continue to do you know, yeah you know, probably at least one or two of those a year but um yeah i mean i did hungary last year which i found pretty interesting and then okay. like i really i really want to visit estonia I keep winding okay. up with it. Like, when are you going to show me, you know, Estonia or like Latvia or just go to some like slightly strange places? Okay. Uh, a bit more off the beaten track. So that'd be cool. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, are you watching Eurovision this weekend? I'll watch a bit. It's on tonight. I'll watch a bit of it. I okay. Got, I got 
a bit bored after like the third hour of it last year. And I was, it's you know, strange, it's, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. It, it's again, it's a cultural thing I, that I don't really get. So like my no. girlfriend gets into it. Yeah. Her and her mum watch it with Prosecco and really brutally scrutineer the performances. Oh yeah. Uh, and I just don't get, yeah, this is just terrible. So obviously you said you had a slight career in racing. Well, slight, it was a few years in racing. Um, What was sort of, what level did you kind of get to with that? Yeah, as so a career implies that I made some money out of it, but that's, that's definitely not <laughs> the case. Um, but I uh, said so I got to good quality national level. Um but and I raced a couple of times over overseas in the states uh, in Vegas, which was good fun for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I won a national title for under under eighteens or, or schools or whatever it's called. Um, so that was pretty good. But I mean, it was never going to be a, there was never lightning in a jar. You know, you could tell. I think I said on one of our other podcasts relatively recently, you could tell that Marcus was just different um, okay. as far as his ability, but his work ethic as well that kind of paired with that um which is pretty rare uh and you didn't see a lot of it so having him as a benchmark next to you kind of you sort of knew where you sat on the tree right. pretty aggressively because you'd be like you know you'd win a race but then you watched marcus go out and beat people by like 25 okay. seconds you're like okay i'm good but i'm not that good, <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> so. yeah so what was what was that process then of like deciding right i'm not gonna this isn't gonna be my career how did you then turn to the insurance side of things? Uh, over a glass of Chardonnay is the short answer. Yeah. Um, but I kind of figured, I put it together when I was probably about 16, okay. that being a professional racing driver was not a viable right. option. It would have been too financially challenging for my family. It would have mm -hmm. been extremely stressful for me. Like trying to make a go of it just would have been yeah. pushing, pushing water uphill with a stick, so to speak. Um, so no I finished school like I kind of rounded out my school years I went yeah. to school uh at boarding school for the last year of my schooling which was really cool uh then finished up and I was having a glass of wine with uh with my dad's insurance broker who's from London okay. he's just down, down for a visit and he asked me he said oh what are you, what are you doing now so like, well, I've just finished school I've, I've got a job I'm just going to save up some money and maybe start a business and I figure something out and he said yeah. uh why don't you come work for me in london and i said all right cool i'll see you there uh give me give me a year and a half to save up a bit more money so i can actually afford to live yeah. in london um <laughs> and then yeah so and then that all unfolded and yeah six and a half years later still in london so wow. that's pretty cool because yeah because a lot of people like they, they struggle especially like i so i used to competitively horse ride okay cool about that level where it was like it could come could turn into something but I was just like, I'm not, I wasn't ready for it. So it's yep. sort of like, I was like, well, what the hell do I do now? Um, and that's not cheap either. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. You need to throw some cash around in that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially yeah. like the, the people that I was competing against, like there's money and then there's money. Oh yeah. Had the money. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. I I do know that there was a struggle between like deciding like right, that's, that's not going to be the path that I'm taking anymore. What the hell do we do now? So I can sympathize yeah, yeah. with that um yeah so are you heading to any races this year are you gonna join the boys anywhere yeah i'll be i'll definitely be in silverstone um i am pretty sure i'll be in amsterdam for zandvoort mm -hmm. um 
Monza would be nice, but that's that's a little bit more challenging. And then Abu Dhabi would be again nice, but it's uh, yeah, I've, I've got I've, I've got a I can still feel that hangover. To be perfectly honest, no, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back. Um, and then on the IndyCar side, I'm going to try to go over to Nashville, um, but that's probably going to be it for me, unfortunately, on the IndyCar side of things. Yeah. It's, it's a little pricier to get over to. Uh, yeah. Over to cool. So what's it like when you go with obviously you go with um watching the race and stuff like that but you that you have people who know people and you know people what's it like knowing the people it's pretty cool yeah. I'm, not gonna lie. yeah I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna give the, the PC answer of like oh it's just normal they're all my friends no, pretty awesome yeah like um you know I, I walked I brought one of my pals from the insurance market uh to Abu Dhabi Marcus had an extra circuit for us and so we brought one of my pals along and um and we were walking across that blue bridge and we were walking down and I sort of, I looked over and Nick DeVries was walking the other way. He was obviously about to be a Formula One driver at the time. And right. I kind of looked at him and sort of gave him a bit of an eyebrow and he sort of smiled back and I was like, and I tapped my mate. I was like, I think Nick DeVries knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we had dinner that night, funnily enough. So yeah, now he definitely That's does. Crazy. No, it must be so cool. Yeah. I know I've been to Abu Dhabi as well and it's just, it's a whirlwind there. Like, we somehow ended up on the back of a golf cart going all the way around. I don't know how we ended up doing that, but we were on a golf cart somewhere. But yeah. It's, it's... very Vegas-like, but it's just a little right. scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vegas is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got some some blood in some places in Vegas as well. So yeah. It's... Yeah. To be fair, I'm not, I'm not necessarily the one to go out drinking and stuff like that so I can imagine your experience of what a race would be like because I went with my mum and dad we're not going to yeah. be going out partying I can imagine your experiences are completely different to what I've had yeah yeah probably with, yeah with your mum and dad yeah I mean they're not as sort of wild and crazy and fun as they all look on Instagram like anything okay. else on Instagram it's all yeah we want it to look more fun than it was but um yeah I'd, I'd say that for me it's it's pretty much primarily just making sure that the guys are okay and I don't have a, a role because I'm usually yeah. there with either Clem or Marcus or someone I don't have a role but I'll kind of sort of be on hand if they need a water quickly or something I'll run and grab it or do whatever then you know put up with their prima donnaness for <laughs> the duration of are three days sorry are they divas oh <laughs> massively so I cannot express how difficult racing like just it, it's not even just those them two specifically yeah. but just racing drivers so they, they've never had to do anything for themselves and it shows and it's <laughs> uh, the worst people in the world I, I can't stand them <laughs> yet you work with them every day <laughs> I know I know it's gonna kill me obviously you're you're very busy you've got your your job you're doing the podcast you're an A-list celebrity these days what do you do to switch off not a lot to be honest that's uh, I don't find in a dark do room for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple of cigarettes and a cr quick cry. Like that's, okay. that's kind of, yeah, how, how I kind of maintain my mental health balance. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much all go all the time at the moment. So yeah. trying to focus on sleeping properly, and I'm pretty good with my sleep. I'm not one of those luckily that struggles with it, but that's kind of the the staple of my yeah. life at the moment is that. I sleep well. No, oh, but you yeah. drink too much and you smoke too much and you work too much. I'm like, yeah, but I sleep well. <laughs> so riddle me that, that one. A, that has a positive effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I somebody asked me to ask you this question. Um, who's your most famous contact in your phone? Good question. 
<laughs> we actually asked uh, the infamous pit stop boys that question, but they couldn't tell us um, <laughs> for legal reasons. Oh, um, most, I don't know. It depends on what you base fame on, right? So we we kind of think like Instagram followers this is yeah. a pretty good like um, line of. Um, it it probably actually is Jamie. Okay. Because like, yeah. she's quite a big name, yeah. like household name in the UK. Scott Dixon's pretty up there, like internationally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's maybe I, I might have an F1 driver somewhere, maybe like Logan or something. Is your time yeah. to like name drop? <laughs> Get in there. Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen some, <laughs> I've seen some bigger names. It's, I, I don't have that many. I mean, it's. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one in the motorsport world. Now I I will show up to a track and a couple of people might spot me. Um, but I mean, it's never going to be to the extent, you know, our worlds have yet to collide with those of the A-list yeah. of, of America and, and UK and all that kind of stuff. So no, it's, it's not looking too crazy at the moment, but uh, never say never. <laughs> um, just quickly to touch on um, the fact that when this comes out, it'll be Monaco coming up. Have you oh, yeah. You've been to Monaco. Yeah, hello from Monaco. I'm there. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, here at okay. Monaco. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so what's what's it like at Monaco? Uh that's what I li- I've missed off my list actually when you asked me what races <laughs> I'd be going to. So you are forgiven. Um what uh, what am I looking forward to in Monaco? Yeah. Um being in Monaco is just a great yeah. step to be in. It's just it's it is my favorite place in the world. It's like you have the sort of protection, you know, in, your, in like a Dubai or a yeah. uh, Abu Dhabi, and you're like, it is very, very safe mm-hmm. um, for different reasons to, to Monaco, perhaps. And so, but when you're in Monaco, it's still, you have that kind of safety. Everyone around you is very wealthy or either yeah. very wealthy or sophisticated. There's not a, not a lot of new crap, crass yeah. stuff going on there. So it's a very elegant place. It's just nice. It's just by the sea. Everyone's, yeah oh, it's just the best i love it and then there's a race going on as well so that's yeah. gonna be fun um but yeah just see my mates meet some new people oh, that's always the fun thing tagging on uh on clement Novelax coattails you meet some pretty interesting cats <laughs> um, so yeah no that'll, that'll be a good fun meeting new people yeah. and having a good time and, and just being there and soaking it in yeah no it is one of the races that i really want to go to i'm actually going on a road trip driving to monaco from the uk but not oh, when yeah. it's on so I'm excited to be driving like round the track and I'll be like, they've been here, I've been here. It's be quite cool. So yeah. yeah. No, it is good fun. And it's a good town to visit, even not in Grand Prix weekend. Yeah. Still, there's a lot of the heritage there and you can still the track's pretty evident. They keep some curbs there like year round. So yeah. it's a uh, cool town. Yeah. So are you obviously you've been watching the Formula One this year, I'm assuming. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. Yeah. What are your expectations in terms of the race this year? Um at a short look, I'd say it'd be cool to see Aston Martin get a win because yeah. I don't think they're too far away from that being possible if, mm-hmm. if it gets a little bit ugly over at Red Bull. But yeah, um, yeah that'd be pretty cool. But I think it's just going to be a tough spot for, for third each week now. Yeah, uh, The Red Bull's pretty far ahead. And, and I don't have an issue with that, to be perfect. I, I like Verstappen. I've, you know... I don't, I don't know him personally at all, but I've kind of known of him through yeah. my circle for a while and throughout whatever the media might say or whatever. Anyone who I know who actually knows him has never had anything bad to say yeah. about him. And that's kind of how I'll judge the guy. So yeah. I, I like Max and I think he deserves to be, you know, having all the success that he's had. So did, and as did Lewis when he was having it, as did Michael when he was having it, you know, yeah, so 
it's um yeah no it's, it's fun to see and it's cool to see like a good guy who you know is extremely talented get the results and yeah. sort of because you see so many i do at least you see so many who are so good and then just don't get the opportunity and it crashes and burns and it's yeah just, yeah it's ugly so it's nice to see a success story so it's been great to have you here. I took advice from Pit Stop Boys. It's one good thing that came out of that episode and I was able to <laughs> use that. I'm glad, to yeah. I'm glad you took it out. If, uh, you got took something out of it. Did you, so did you guys know that they were going to get backlash from that? Or did you sort of watch it and you were just like, oh, it's just their comedy? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we edited it and we sort of went through, yeah. we took you know, a few things out because we you know, talking about different companies that we'd been working with and things like that that obviously had to go. Um, and so now we kind of we checked it over and we thought it, and we thought it was it was fine because we wanted it, you know, we don't want to over edit things. Yeah. And then people just being like, oh, then it becomes not what we set out for it to be anymore because we wanted it to be sort of the unfiltered and whatever yeah. and good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is. It's 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 out there and people can make their own opinions. But yeah, so we we were fine with it, you know. And, and ultimately, what it boiled down to for us is that we weren't offended, you know, we weren't out to offend anyone. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of it's unfortunate the way it all played out. I understand some of it. I don't understand some other sides of it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on. Um, I really appreciate joining. No I can appreciate that it's a small podcast still. Um, and obviously we've still got some teething issues. Um that's all right. Well, we are, I'm pretty familiar with teething issues. So <laughs> yeah, no worries. So thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you all in the next episode.